Here's a taste of what you guys will get on today's episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. And so when you got to actually put your neck out there and put your neck on the line and you got to do that long term, then the pressure becomes too much for you, right? And then you pull back, even though a black man died from that very same pressure being put on his neck. To the fact that you can't withstand a little bit of pressure, hypothetical pressure at that, non-threatening pressure, non-life-threatening pressure at that, you can't withstand that for the cause, then keep your hashtag to yourself. Now keep listening to today's episode because there are some cultural jewels that I am dropping on y'all. And of course, thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the episode. What's up, y'all? I'm jumping on real quick to ask you all to do me a favor. If you are a listener of my podcast, make sure to leave me a review. I don't care if you've been listening from day one or if this is your first time listening. Go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Why? Well, the obvious reason is, of course, I want to hear from you all and I want to know how the episodes are landing with you. But the more important reason is when you leave a review, it helps other people to find my podcast. So ultimately, you are joining me in the quest to helping others become more culturally aware by spreading the word and helping them to walk a day in my culture. So after you hear this episode, take a few minutes at the end and leave me a review. I'm thanking you in advance for being part of making cultural change, one listen at a time and one review at a time. Alrighty, let's jump into the podcast. Granville T. Woods, 1856-1910 Granville T. Woods, known as the, quote, Black Edison, was an extremely prolific and brilliant inventor of electromechanical devices. His inventions produced broader and more efficient applications of electricity. Wood's early genius for modifying and improving electrical apparatus was unsurpassed during the Industrial Revolution. A native of Columbus, Ohio, he attended school until the age of 10. Woods traveled to Missouri at age 16 and worked as a fireman engineer on the railroads. Afterwards, he traveled east to study electrical and mechanical engineering and was able to obtain a job on a British steamer, the Ironside, where he remained for two years. By 1881, he opened a factory in Cincinnati, Ohio, and manufactured telephone, telegraph, and electrical equipment. He filed his first application for a patent in 1884 for an improved steam boiler furnace. Later that same year, he invented a telephone transmitter. His transmitter could carry the voice over longer distances with greater clarity and more distinct sound. A year later, Woods patented an apparatus he coined, quote, telegraphony, a combination of telephone and telegraph. As a result, 
telegraph stations could send both oral and signal messages over the same line. An inexperienced telegraph operator could now send messages without benefit of knowing the Morse code. Woods sold this invention to American Bell Telephone Company. Woods produced one of his most important inventions in 1887, a device called the Synchronous Multiplex Railway Telegraph. It enabled messages to be sent to and from moving trains and railroad stations. Serious accidents were now avoided because conductors could be forewarned of obstacles in their path. Another invention was a regulator, which greatly increased the efficiency of electric motors. Demands for his electrical device became so widespread that he abandoned his company to devote full time to further inventions. After relocating to New York City in 1890, Woods became a patron of the arts. It was while attending the theater that he became fascinated by the way theater lights were gradually dimmed. However, this dimming system was known to cause electrical fires, so he set out to improve this lighting system by creating an efficient, safe, and economical dimmer. His system was not only safer, but resulted in a 40% energy savings. Woods was also responsible for modernizing our transportation system. He invented an overhead conducting system for electric railways still utilized by trains and trolley cars today. He also invented the electrified third rail, now used by subway systems in large cities such as Chicago, New York, and elsewhere. In 1901, this invention was sold to General Electric Company in New York. Granville T. Woods was awarded more than 35 patents for his electrical innovations. In 1890, he introduced an electrically heated egg incubator, which made it possible to hatch 50,000 eggs at one time. He also invented a relay instrument, an electrical mechanical brake, a galvanic battery, an automatic safety cut out for electrical circuits, and many other devices. At the time of his death in 1910, more than 150 patents had been awarded to Granville Woods. His achievements attracted universal attention and high praise from the scientific community worldwide. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Walk a Day in My Culture. This is a podcast where I help you increase your cultural awareness by simply talking with you about the daily experiences I have as a Black woman. Y'all already know my mantra. I believe by you all hearing my experiences, you can hypothetically walk a day in my culture, which should help you to literally walk on the path of increasing your cultural awareness. So let's get into today's episode, which is entitled, Let Me Keep It Real With Y'all. Before we get started, you already know, by now you should be used to the fact that I do a rest in peace segment at the top of the hour in light of all the black lives that are being lost and just the continued injustices that we are dealing with. So let's just get into that right now. Um, Unfortunately, we have several names today. We have 
Elijah McClan. Um, he was killed by the police in August 2019. His story is now getting more footage because of the George Floyd incident. We have Maurice Gordon. He was killed just a few days before George Floyd, but because of the viralness, so to speak, of George Floyd's death, uh, Maurice Gordon's death kind of went unseen. We also unfortunately have Rhea Milton, if I'm saying her first name right, and Dominique, aka Remy Fails, if I'm also saying her name right. Those two women were trans women. They were black women, uh, black trans women. And, you know, again, all black lives matter. And so they were killed in June just a day apart um, from each other, unfortunately. So let's have, again, a moment of silence for these four victims, their Black Lives Matter, and let's just hope and pray that they rest in peace. All right, well, let's get into the episode. Um, I'm just going to kind of free flow a little bit, but before fully, fully jumping in. As y'all can see, I done found my book, y'all. I done found the little book. I found it. I can't believe I finally found it. It's been gone for like two weeks and I've been like turning the house upside down. I've been having my husband look with a book. I've been like looking where the baby play. Like, did she take the book? Where the book at? Guess where the book was at, y'all? Guess where the book was at? The book was in between the headboard and the mattress though. And my husband kept saying, I remember seeing you reading the book at night, like the night before your podcast. And I thought about it. I actually found it today because I was not about to be outdone. I was reading from that little book today. And I thought about what he said because I was like, I, I remember having the book in the bed too. And I stuck my hand down there and found the book y'all now listen y'all probably like what is the book doing in the bed well you know i be trying to read ahead of time sometimes because the pronunciations be having me all messed up and i be doing so many takes and so many redos and so many edits i'm just keeping it real i'm a therapist i am not an english major okay but it is important for me to like you know highlight these black folks until the end of next Black History Month, which is February 2021. And I plan on going beyond that. I'm just, I'm feeling, feeling this. Anyway, what's even funnier with this little book is that there were only two Black scientists left. So I done spent all this energy looking for this book, tearing the house up, having an attitude because I can't find the book. And I look in the book today and it's the last, this is the last time we reading from the, the black scientists. Like it's over today. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I had to laugh when I opened this book and saw that it was only two black scientists left. I was like, for real, like really anyway, but these last black uh, men are just dope. They closing us out very, very well. And if you were impressed with Grainville T. Woods, then wait until you hear our final black scientist. He is closing us out with a bang. Anyway, I digress, but y'all know y'all needed a little laughter and a little bit of fun right after that rest in peace. And y'all gonna need that 
before I get real serious on y'all and get real into this topic today. So today's topic is entitled, Let Me Keep It Real With Y'all. And today I'm just going to really talk very candidly about how I've been feeling with this recent re-uprising of the Black Lives Matter movement. Because again, we've we been here doing this Black Lives Matter situation. Y'all just, you know, new to this. We ain't new to it. This ain't new. And so today I'm just going to talk real freely about my feelings. And I'm not going to have much structure in today's podcast and, and how I present and say what I'm saying. And it's two reasons I'm very intentionally not having no structure. The first reason is I'm not about to structure my feelings for y'all because they my authentic feelings. And so if I start trying to structure stuff and make it all pretty for y'all, that's just fake. And I ain't doing that. Y'all already know I'm raw, unapologetic, and I'm not fake, not doing it. And the second reason is Ain't nothing structured about the impact of how black people are treated and viewed in this country, except the structures that have structured the systemic racism and oppression that we experience on a daily basis, okay? So those are the two reasons I'm not having much structure. Now, before I like really, really, really jump into the episode, I just, I I gotta say this, and I'm gonna be very candid with what I'm about to say. To my white and non-black listeners, I don't care if you don't know me on a deep level. I don't care if you are a very close friend, okay? Please, please, please do not reach out to me after you hear this podcast episode. Like, I appreciate the love, But at some point, it started turning into a little bit of a hint of white guilt or survivor's guilt or like this white savior or let me kind of like save you. When y'all start flooding me more than once with the whole, I'm thinking of you or thanks so much for the work that you do, like enough already. Like again, I appreciate the initial love that y'all done gave me. But it's becoming too much from too many of y'all. If you want to do something, like if you really want to do something, then really, really sit with your feelings about what's happening. Sit with your feelings about next steps that you can take. And if you are white, I want you to sit with your white privilege, your white fragility, and your white guilt. Because no matter how woke you think you are, you are walking around with all three of those things, whether you know it or not, and you need to continuously check yourself because it will never be in check because that's just how it works. And so I done seen it more times than not that these three things, white privilege, white fragility, white guilt, it just shows up in so many subtle ways. And so just y'all just sit with your stuff. Don't come over here worrying about me and bothering me. I got the initial stuff. Thank you. Please don't reach out to me. Just sit with your feelings. Now, if you want to reach out to me just because you want to say, hey, girl, what's up? How you doing? Let's chop it out. Cool. But please don't reach out to me and subtly do this whole thinking of you or thanks so much for the work that you do. It's too much. Just stop. 
job. Okay, thank you. Now that that is out the way, (laughs) I wanna get into the strongest feeling that is showing up for me, which is just this plain old feeling of being pissed off, like flat out angry. And uh, I don't even know where to start, but I am just, I'm, I'm angry. And you continue to hear about things that are happening to us as Black people, and it's not okay. So for example, I don't know if y'all heard about the recent hate crime that happened with Althea Bernstein, if I'm saying her name right, but she was intentionally like set on fire by four white men. And it just, it just pissed me off when I heard that. Like I'm already aggravated and angry with like how America is being, but then like now we setting black folks on fire. Like, is that what we doing right now? like for real. And then what makes me so like even more angry about this is like the way that the story is being headlined. Like they headlining it as a biracial woman that was set on fire and, and had a hate crime. Now, look, I understand that she may identify as such. She may identify as a biracial woman, but the media is real slick with how they portray information, which just adds fuel to my little, well, let me not use that in light of talking about this woman being set on fire. It just adds to my frustration. So when you pay attention to the actual story, they say that this woman was called the N-word before they set her on fire. They sprayed gasoline on her and then they set her on fire in her car. But remember, prior, they used the N-word. And so I just need the media to call it what it is. Like a black woman was targeted, okay? Black people are being targeted. And it's just like how black people were being targeted back in the day. Like we were set on fire and it was watched like a sport. Body parts were taken and souvenirs as as souvenirs, should I say, for for like sport. And if y'all don't believe me and y'all think I'm just talking out my feelings, anything that Dr. Joy DeGroy does, go on ahead and look it up. She has done the research for y'all. She has the proof. She ain't making this up out the side of her neck. And it's just showing that history is repeating itself. And it is very, it, it, it makes me extremely angry. I'm angry that we got a joke of a president that retweets people driving around in golf courts, talk golf carts, excuse me, I'm getting all fumbled in my words because I'm aggravated, but he retweets these folks driving around in golf carts saying that it's, you know, white power and deeming them as good people. Like this whole situation is like confusing and I don't know what the hell is going on in the world. I, I I don't know how we got right back to where we started. But but then again, we ain't got nowhere to begin with. Like the truth of the matter is we ain't came far. And I'm angry about it. Like I'm also angry just about this newfound wokeness that everybody all of a sudden got. Like now y'all woke. Like for real, y'all should have been woke. Y'all been sleep. Like I said a couple of episodes ago, y'all been pushing the snooze button, 
pulling the covers over your head and now all of a sudden you woke supposedly woke because you still ain't woke and i'm gonna talk about that after this commercial break so y'all know how this go when i go pay these bills though so make sure that you're gonna get you a snack kick your feet up do whatever it is you need to do to get yourself re-engaged but you make sure that you listen to all them commercials because you know what i'm gonna say that second black scientist is embedded somewhere within this episode i'll be right back y'all Hey, you guys, you already know what this commercial is about. This is my business update where I let you all know what's happening with my business, what's new and what is going on. As I always say, make sure to always listen to this commercial in its entirety because it is ever changing. Everything that I'm about to share with you all can be found in more detail on my website, which is www.bloomintoyourbestself.com. That's where you can get more details. So as you all know, the first thing is I am continuing to work on my book, which is entitled Understanding and Working with the Issues in the Black Community is coming along really well so keep your ear out for when it will be released on august the 1st i'm so excited to let you guys know that i am doing another cultural training and this one is called cultural awareness when working with african americans and you can get three continuing education units if you are eligible it is an excellent training check it out on my website to see what it covers and of course my cultural edition planner will be released on november the 6th and you guys can pre-order that now on my website so those are the things that are happening with my business as i said make sure to check out the details on my website because all that i have described here can help you bloom into your best self All right, y'all. So let me just continue down this train about why I'm angry and pissed off about people and they newfound wokeness. Um, You know, I just, I don't know where to start. But in the beginning of all of this, you know, with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, Rayshard Brooks, just, just to name the very few, you know, you got your emails flooded, right? With companies sending out emails about how they stand with black lives and how they are for black lives. And then I remember logging on to Instagram and at the top of Instagram, it was like, we stand for black lives. And then you see everybody like posting about it, taking a stand, you know, posting pictures of protest or, you know, saying let's support our our black entrepreneurs and doing all this stuff. Right. But the, 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 the thing that is maddening and makes me angry and frustrated is I can almost bet only 80% of these people and these companies are simply posting stuff and saying stuff so that they are not viewed as that white person or that white company or that non-black person of color who might be racist, who might be discriminatory, who might have like stereotypes, right? 
And you might think I'm acting out of feelings and acting out of anger, but I'm telling you, I bet you it's only, I, I bet you it's only about 20% of people that's really down for the cause. And I think I'm being nice when I say that. I, I really want to say it's only probably about 10% of people who really down for the cause. So just follow me. If you pay close, close attention, you will notice that the dust is slowly settling in regards to everybody that's so-called woke and standing with the black people ain't no more blurb on the instagram when i log on now maybe it's just me and my feed but i don't see the stance no more for black lives matter i ain't getting all this plethora emails from companies i haven't even got a follow-up email from the companies that sent the initial we stand for black lives like if you really stand for black lives and you ain't gonna show up in my inbox just once like think about that and i'm not seeing as many posts about black lives i ain't seeing that many that many people continuing to post and continuing to say stuff and continuing to be about the black lives right to me all of that slow, subtle decline is just simply showing that people are fronting and pretending in the name of a black life that's lost. And for me, that pisses me off because this ain't a joke for us as black people. Like this is real and this needs to be a lifetime commitment for people who are not black that want to part their lips and say that they stand for black lives just for a couple of weeks. Like don't don't say nothing about standing for black lives if you ain't about to stand for black lives until the day that you die because that's just how long this journey is going to take you're going to have to be a, a lifetime member to stand for black lives well hello yes it's me again i had to pause the podcast to promote my monthly newsletter are you subscribed to my newsletter if so Thank you so much. If not, what are you waiting for? Go to my website at www.bloomintoyourbestself.com and sign up. I have a free version and a paid version. Both are outlined on my website and they are excellent. It's really no excuse for you not to be subscribing. So I expect for you to subscribe. All right, let's get back into the podcast. And... I, it, it just makes me mad because I feel like people really ain't about that culturally aware work. Not when not when it, it takes this level of investment, it takes this level of commitment. And when you think about it, people who ain't black, especially white people, it really takes you sticking your neck out to really stand for the cause and really speak up like that's what it actually takes for non-black people and it is really hard if you white because then you ain't a person of color and so you just don't really have an understanding of what we go through as people of color and so if you ain't ready for that commitment it's go show and so when you got to actually put your neck out there and put your neck on the line and you gotta do that long term, then the pressure becomes too much for you, right? And then you pull back. Even though a black man died from that very same pressure being put on his neck, 
to the fact that you can't withstand a little bit of pressure, hypothetical pressure at that, non-threatening pressure, non-life-threatening pressure at that, you can't withstand that for the cause, then keep your hashtag to yourself and keep your email to yourself and don't say nothing else about black lives. Don't part your mouth to say nothing because like you ain't really ready to take that risk though. And it just, it just irritates me and it's really unbelievable. And it's just, it's just a whole lot. And so I think it's going to be a lifelong journey that people who are trying to be a part of this movement that ain't black has got to be able to commit to. And I just feel like ain't nothing really different. I know everybody is talking about this time is going to be different and this time feels different. But for those of us in the black community, we really know what's up. We will see how real change is actually taking place when our names stop being added to a list that has been growing since y'all brought us over here to this country or since you came over here and pretended that you found the country for us that have been here prior. Like that's some over 400 something years that we've been adding our name to a list that continues to grow. So when our names stop being on that list and when the names that are already on that list are not forgotten and when these systemic structures change their structure and the way that they are functioning towards us, then I can believe that some change is gonna happen. Y'all, let me take a let me take a moment and recollect myself. I'm go ahead and take another commercial break and go drink some water or something and just woosah and I'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to receive services that truly consider your culture first? I mean, like really considered your culture first, not in a surface or fluffy way, but in a very deep, rich and validating way. Well, look no further. My husband and I have finally put our brains together on how we can provide services that consider your culture first. At Culture First Family Therapy and Training Services, we offer an array of services that help people truly become more culturally aware. From the trainings and workshops we develop and offer, to the consultations we provide, to training our supervisees to use their cultural lens when providing services to people of color, we believe in putting culture first. Go check out our website and the services that we offer over at www.culturefirst with the number one.org. Again, that website is www.culturefirst.org. C U L T U R E, the number one, st.org. We are so excited about this and we just look forward to helping you embark on the journey of cultural awareness by learning how to put culture first. Louise Tompkins Wright, 1891 to 1952. Louise Tompkins Wright, a pioneer in clinical antibiotic research, 
was one of the most productive and most distinguished black physicians to appear on the American scene. He was the first black physician to be appointed to the staff of a New York municipal hospital, the first black physician in America to head a public interracial hospital, and the second black surgeon to be admitted to the American College of Surgeons in 1931. Born in Lagrange, Georgia, July 23rd, 1891, the youngest of two sons of Dr. Sia and Lula Wright, his father graduated from Mahari Medical College in 1881. Wright's father died, and four years later, his mother married Dr. William Fletcher Penn, the first Black to graduate from Yale Medical School in 1898. Dr. Penn inspired Wright to study medicine. Wright was valedictorian of his class in 1911 at Clark College in Atlanta, Georgia. After graduation, he applied for admission to Harvard Medical School and was told he would be admitted if he could pass an exam in chemistry. He accepted the challenge and passed the exam with flying colors. He graduated cum laude in 1915, fourth in his class. In spite of graduating with honors from Harvard Medical School, he was not given an internship at any white hospital because of his race. He completed his internship at Fredman's Hospital in Washington, DC. In 1917, Dr. Wright enlisted in the United States Army as a first lieutenant in the medical corps. While there, he introduced the intradermal method of vaccination for smallpox. His new method eliminated previously encountered side effects. He was later placed in charge of a military hospital in France, becoming the youngest surgeon to be given such a position. In France, he suffered permanent lung damage from a poisonous gas attack. When the war ended, he was awarded the Purple Heart and discharged at the rank of captain. He subsequently rose to the rank of Lieutenant Colonial in the reserve in the reserves, excuse me. In 1918, he married Corinne Cook. They had two daughters who became doctors. One daughter became the first black woman to be named Dean of a New York medical college. In 1919, Dr. Wright became the first black surgeon to be appointed to the wealthy white Harlem Hospital in New York. Four white doctors resigned in protest of his appointment. He went on to become the director of surgery and later president of the Harlem Medical Board. Dr. Wright became an authority in the area of head injuries and was asked to write a chapter in the 11th edition of Shooter's Treatment of Fractures. He devised a brace for fractures of the neck that is still used today. And he also invented a special blade plate for surgical treatment on fractures of the knee joint. Beyond the surgical specialty, he became an authority on the use of arosamine, an antibiotic becoming the first in the world to experiment with this new drug on humans with success. In all, he had 89 scientific publications to his credit, including his publication on chemotherapy in the treatment of cancer. A conscientious crusader for the equal rights of Blacks, 
He led a constant and unflinching battle against racial injustice. He held the American Medical Association responsible for racial discrimination in medical care and publicly stated that, quote, the American Medical Association has demonstrated as much interest in the health of the Negro as Hitler has in the health of the Jew. Someday, the nation will wake up to the fact that disease germs are not color conscious, end quote. Dr. Lewis Tompkins Wright suffered a heart attack and died at the age of 61 in October 1952. All right, y'all. So I am back. I'm woosad for the moment. You know, ain't no telling how long that's going to last with me talking about this topic. But there are two other feelings that come up for me in the midst of this, you know, re-uprising of the Black Lives Matter movement and with seeing how Black people are being treated here in 2020 um, and just, you know, the feelings that are coming up for me. And I I would be fronting and I would be so fake and phony if I didn't name these two feelings. And the feelings are fear and I know protection is not a feeling, but that that instinct is is mixed in there. You know what I mean? I'm feeling very protective. Um, and so those are the two two feelings that I'm I'm feeling in in the midst of the anger. Right? Um, there is a fear, and if y'all read my newsletter, you already know I have I often have a fear when my husband leaves the house because he is a black man and he is a very black man, and he I'm proud to be married to a very black man. And, um, you know, this fear is very different now. It's extremely heightened. Um, and I'm just very hyper vigilant when he leaves the house. I'm very aware of the time. I'm very aware of how long it's been since I've heard from him. Um, it's just on a whole nother level, uh, when he leaves the house. And again, that's cause he's a black man and, our black men get profiled for no reason. I often think about when he leaves, um, when he first got his car and something was happening with my car. Um, when I had first got my car, it was weird, but I needed to drive his car for a couple of days. And I got pulled over almost every time I was in his car. Now he had a brand new car. Um, and so he didn't have no license plates. Like, I mean, now it's different because you got the paper plate. But back then, it, didn't nobody have no plates? When you get a brand new car, you got to wait for your plates to come in the mail. And so it's not like my husband has a overly flashy car. You know, he got the typical car with the tinted windows. Um, and it's just a cool car. It's a, it's a manly car and it's, it's a nice car. Um, but I got pulled over like all the time in his car. And... It always made me nervous when he left because at that time it wasn't as much press, so to speak, of black women getting killed. It was before the Sandra Bland situation. Um, But I always think of that now because he has the same car. And so there's just this fear. It's like very heightened right now that like nothing he does could save his life if 
God forbid that was a situation for him. And the only thing that can protect him is God. That's like it. And so I'm always saying a prayer for him. And I'm always, you know, praying that he is covered and believing that God will bring him back home. And God always does. But it's this fear that it doesn't really matter how he responds, right? It doesn't matter if he complies. It doesn't matter if he doesn't comply. It doesn't matter if he keeps his hand on the wheels. It doesn't matter if he, you know, moves or whatever in the car. Black men are not safe. And the truth of the matter is black women aren't safe. And if we really get down to it, black children ain't safe, right? And back to this fear situation, I don't even really be wanting us to go nowhere with the baby. Now, look, if y'all listening in real time, we can't go nowhere anyway because of COVID. Let's just, let's just keep that real. But, you know, even I, I just, I don't even be wanting, I don't even be wanting the baby in the car. I, and then I'd be wanting to feel like I need to be in the car. But then there's a piece of me that gets nervous. So it's like, well, let, let, let's just one of us go, you know, at least if something happened to us, at least faith to have one parent. Cause the truth of the matter is cops is killing black people in front of their children. You know what I'm saying? And so they don't care. Um, you know, the story, the, the rest in peace that I did last week, um, with Robert Fuller's brother, he was killed in front of his seven year old daughter. Okay. And the, the, his wife was wounded. And so we all remember Philandro Castile. He was killed in front of his three-year-old daughter. And let's not just continue to count the, the other folks that have been killed in front of their children. And so it's just a whole big blob of fear that, um, comes up and, you know, it's, it's sad and it's scary but what goes hand in hand is my protective spirit because I be real, you know, sometimes white folks is getting real bold nowadays. And if I, if I see one that's about ready to start with some racist stuff, I'm on guard and ready to protect me and mine. Okay. Cause like I really be ready to fight and that's not a good thing, but that is the state America has left us in. That is the state that this whack administration has put us in in this this feeling of division and separation and white power and this fake white supremacy that is not a real thing it's such a delusion and it's just a shame that I'm like I'm like ready like we can do this and we have to remember as black people we are experiencing repetitive trauma and when you have a trauma response you either fight flight or freeze and I personally just choose to fight if need be. Like I ain't gonna start no stuff, but I'm not about to go out, you know, all shy and cowering, cowering in a corner. Not, I'm not doing that. But anyway, I, I want to name one thing though, because I kind of feel it in my cultural spirit. For people out there who are not black listening to this, I just, I really ask you to not generalize anything that I am saying and chalk up the behaviors of black people that you interact with as them being in their feelings because of the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, yes, we can be in our feelings because of that, but let's not generalize. And by that, I mean, if somebody is being a certain way towards you, 
don't necessarily assume that it's because of Black Lives Matter. Like, it might just be you. And I know some, I just, I feel that somebody probably out there listening and just trying to pretend that they don't have an issue with a certain person that's Black and they didn't have no issue prior to this movement. But if you had an issue prior prior to this movement, you might have to chalk it up to simply a personality clash. And that can't be blamed on Black folks feeling some kind of way because of the Black Lives Matter. It might just be the Black person has an issue with you for some whole other stuff that ain't got nothing to do with race. I'm just saying, I just had to put that out there because I just feel like sometimes when you make these statements and you had these conversations that people start generalizing and then when you start generalizing, you start making a fool of yourself and messing up. So just don't generalize, okay? Take this as my experience, Narissa's experience, the same experience for every single black person. And that's that's where that's gonna land. Anyway, that is my rant for today because it sure was a rant. I ain't gonna even pretend like it wasn't. It was a rant, but you know what? Y'all listen to my podcast because y'all wanna hear the experiences of me as a black woman. And so my experience is all that I talked about today with how I'm feeling about this Black Lives Matter movement and how my people are being treated in this country. So Leave me a comment. Let me know how you felt, what you thought. But, you know, don't come with the racist, oppressive stuff because you'll get checked or deleted or ignored or all of the above. The cultural tidbit is in honor of us completing another one of our little books. So we completed book two, which is volume two. And so what I want you to do in honor of completion of this book is I have posted a picture on my Instagram of a chart. So you, you'll you pretty much notice it really, really quickly if you kind of scroll through my Instagram, but it's a chart with kind of like navy blue drawings. And if you zoom in, the title of the chart is from the minds of black inventors. And I just want you all to go ahead and look at that chart look at the inventions of these black men um these are kind of like a compilation so to speak of many of the black men that i read um in this volume of the book and i want you to pick one of the inventions that stand out to you and then i want you to research that black scientist more um and take your time in researching them and learning about them and just really, really learn what these black scientists were about. People do not give us as black folks enough credit. Damn near every major invention that we use now today has the strong imprint of a black scientist behind it. And what's ironic and sad is these scientists were black men and they are the most endangered in this country and black women aren't far behind them on that list all right y'all i'm done i'm seriously done next week we are talking about black excellence i'm gonna lighten things up for y'all a little bit unless unless something bigger than what's already very big for the black community happens between now and next week we will be talking about black excellence 
So with that said, y'all know how the ending of this episode goes. Until the next time we chat, I really hope that you do something that will help you bloom into your best self. And I am excited for you to come back and join me next week so that you can walk another day in my culture.